Welcome. I'm your host, Andrea Maximo, and you are listening to the Electric Feminine Podcast. Welcome back. <laughs> Hello to the Electric Feminine. My name is Anjua Maximo, and I am your host. And today we have our special guest, Henneke Patel. She is the founder of the School of Sensual Arts, a global platform leading the sensual revolution. The ethos invites you to connect deeply, to express freely, love intimately, and lean into your desires so that you can lead life by the heart. Oh, I love that so much. At Sosa. I like that. I like that. Is that how we can break it down? It sounds good. Pleasure is your portal. As a British Indian, she offers a unique blend of her cultural lineage through the Eastern ancient arts of yoga and tantra uh, with her studies in Western arts and psychotherapy. Having worked with Louis Thoreau, Channel 4, Women's Health, she shares tantra yoga, couples intimacy workshops, and Shakti circles to worldwide online community with beautiful in-person retreats around London and Europe. And you can catch her breaking taboos around sensuality, shame, cultural appropriation, and tantra on her IG, Henneke Patel. So this is how I found you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so glad to have you here today. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. And yeah, I mean, IG, this wonderful platform that connects people like me and you with similar interests. And yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> well, but the, it is similar interest because, you know, I found you because you were, first of all, I think you were correcting the pronunciation. It wasn't Tantra. You went through this whole thing and it, you're like, it's not Tantra, it's not Tantra. <laughs> and I was like, oh. You should be listening to this. <laughs> but um, yeah, it caught my attention and what you were saying. And, you know, the if you all haven't caught um, Henneke on Instagram, there there is a, a big energy and a big push towards the fact that we really have done a huge disservice to yoga um, here in, in, in the States and have, you know, really not done it the respect um, that it's owed. And, you know, I, I gotta admit that I, I was one of those people who was kind of like, Oh, but you know, it's for everybody and we're all learning things. And I admit I was that for a while until I recognized how upsetting it was for me when I saw people appropriating things from my culture, mm. um, and not giving credit or miss, you know, using it or not understanding how they're using it. And, um, you know, I think it's in those, those moments of empathy that we really can come together and go, okay, now I understand. So I started following you because of you gently correcting <laughs> pronunciation and, and, and where you stood with that and the passion with which you spoke of it. So thank you for putting it out there. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's so interesting to, to learn kind of what, what interests people um, in my work. And I never I never share these things to make people feel bad. You know, mm -hmm. I share these things, uh, pronunciation, different forms of yogic and the tantric practice that are not well known, um, parts of the philosophy, mythology, um, pronunciation, like you said, just as a form of education. Like I'm just sharing them right. because I feel like they're not known. And I feel like in the classes that I had attended when I moved back to England from Asia, um, I felt like they were really like watered down practice. Like it was watered mm -hmm. down and, and I do it with passion because I want people to experience the fullness and the richness that these Eastern spiritual sciences have to offer. And, um, you know, it, we, see, we see yoga as just 
you know, a physical practice, bendiness and mm-hmm. tight clothes. <laughs> and we see Tantra as something to do with sex. And it's it's really a shame when it's only these these like little elements of both of these paths get taken um, because there's so much more. And I think I think as a South Asian um, pra- practitioner and teacher as well, I think that's what upsets me. I think, but that's not all that it is, mm-hmm. you know. And I want I want the culture and I want the full practice to be seen for what it is. Um, so that's I guess that's kind of what my angle is and um, what I hope to do in I say it with like little marks next to my head, little apostrophe marks. The industry <laughs> that's where I want the wellness industry to move it, into one that does appreciate the full part of the culture of all of these practices. You know, wherever they come from, wherever we're from, whatever we're doing. So. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's how you kind of found me, though. So, <laughs> well, I well, what I appreciate about what you're saying, and no, you never sound like you're scolding, you know. And, and I think that's probably why I do listen. You know, for me personally, even when it comes to issues, on um, you know whether it's uh, black culture appropriation, Latino culture appropriation, you know, women's rights, anything like that, I I, I if I am going to speak on it, I try never to come from that condescending space, because for me personally, I know it shuts people down. It shuts me down, right? I want to learn. And, yeah. um, you know, I never understand the mentality or the energy of, you know, learn to get it right, but not that way. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to, we have to stumble a little bit and then have to be corrected. You know, um, it's the equivalent to me of like, you know, learn, but then like you get your hand smacked every time you, you kind of reach for the wrong thing um, or reach for it the wrong way. Right. So you, you don't give off that energy, but, but I, I do, I do appreciate that you were not saying that people can't teach yoga who are not South Asian. Is that what we said before? Right. That's the correct term. Right. Um, you're just saying, you said you, you really just wanted them to really understand it and appreciate it and teach it the correct way. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even know if there is a correct way. I just mean a more fuller way, a a way that looks into beyond the physical practice. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, I think yoga, the reason why it is so practiced around the world is because it touches the part of us that is human. And we are human before we have our culture, before we have our skin, before we have our identity, we are human. And so Mm -hmm. I think on that level, a human can share with another human an experience that they have had that is healing, that helps, that helps us to see ourselves. And I think, um, you know, I think just with more with more education around what the yogic practice actually is, what the tantric practice actually is beyond the physical, then we can go even deeper and we can touch even mm-hmm. more people, even more humans from the heart. And mm-hmm. um, that's why I, you know, there are some there are some teachers that say only South Asians should teach it and things like this, but I don't think the practice was ever intended to stay where it is. Sure. I think it was it was created with impact with you know the intention of impact and mm-hmm. I think the more people that experience it the better really so yeah. that's kind of that's what I think and I'm, I'm open to that I'm open to questions I'm open to yeah. education for me is the answer to the problem rather than complaining about it or saying this person should do that and that person mm-hmm. should do this like that's very defensive mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a solution yeah. so yeah. um yeah. yeah I think that's my, that's my way of, of seeing it, yeah. you know? I appreciate that. I do, because, you know, I had a beautiful experience years ago 
when I used to work uh, for Lululemon Athletica. Okay, when I, and I know <laughs> they have been some of the greatest defenders. <laughs> Hear me out. Let me finish my story. <laughs> and um, they were we were holding a class for what they what was uh, at the I think it still exists the Africa Yoga African Yoga Project. Okay, and this particular yoga studio locally was sponsoring a teacher. Um, and I can't remember what country specifically he was from in Africa, but he was going to be, we had a big screen and he was going to teach his practice from his country, but to us here in Cleveland um, in store. And it was just such a really beautiful experience because when he explained what yoga had done for him and how it has opened his, his world up. And now he's so excited to bring it you know, to the people in his community. And it just, I was so moved by the power of the practice, right? Um, and whether or not how he was taught, I don't know, you know, um, if it was with the with the fullness that it needed to be, the studio is pretty reputable for, for having a pretty great, um, you know, uh, practice there. But I, I just, it was just the fact that there is something like this that is so old, so beautiful and can be taught and look what it could do, right? So I, I appreciate that it, it is, at least from your sentiment, something that you think people can learn to do, I mean, do well and, and learn it respectfully and into the fullness of it. So let's switch gears slightly here to back to, am I saying it right? Is it Tantra? Yeah, you got it. Okay. <laughs> I used to be a Tantra person, but now <laughs> I've learned. So was this, yoga is in your lineage, but is it something that you grew up with? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. So, um, so I grew up in the Bhakti faith. So the Bhakti faith is the one that kind of follows the lineage of the Bhagavad Gita, which is like a sacred text on yoga. And mm -hmm. um, it's a discourse that happens between Krishna, uh, who's kind of like a mentor and Arjuna, who is like a warrior that's going into battle. And that's like a metaphor for life, right? Like we're all riding in this chariot, We've got a lot of things ahead of us and um, Krishna is just sharing, you know, some of this wisdom. And so I kind of come from this lineage generations and generations long. My father was a monk as well for a while. Um, and my grandmother who lived with us, you know, taught us probably at the same time we were learning to speak mantras and we grew up on the Ayurvedic diet. But the thing is, I... I'm a first generation British Indian woman right so mm -hmm. my parents moved over with that that was very like normal um, and it's kind of an unquestioning faith it's like lots of rituals lots of mantras like yogic practice not just on the mat but off the mat really like you know the virtues and the principles um, but I think when you know when I grew up in the west we grew up with this kind of inquiring mind that's kind of like why do we do this <laughs> There's this why factor. Uh, where did it come from? You know, what's the purpose? And um, my parents, with unquestioning faith and total devotion, loves, you know, loves yoga, loves the faith, loves the traditions, but couldn't really answer those questions. Um, and so I kind of lost contact with it when I was kind mm -hmm. of growing up and going through my teens. It was sort of something that, you know, my parents did, and I did see them meditate every day and chant and stuff like that. But without kind of knowing why I kind of went on my own, you know, education and stuff like that. And then it wasn't until um, I experienced uh, a series of four deaths between the age of 10 and 14. Um, mm -hmm. And instead of looking at them, I just 
put them, stuffed them down, 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 and just kind of got on with my life. And the effect of that when I got into my late teens and my early 20s was pretty much that I was numb. I had had not taken the time to look at pain and grief. And so had blocked my access to pleasure. I had blocked my access to the full spectrum of emotions. Because mm-hmm. the thing that I learned through this process is that you can't cherry pick which emotions you want to feel. You need right. to feel, you know, to feel pleasure, you, you have to be able to feel pain or to at least be able to face it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, like 10 years of not looking at that stuff meant that um, my body turned off. Like I was mm-hmm. numb and I was depressed and I was in a in a very dark place. And um, at that point, I was in a job where I was very unfulfilled. Like I, I'd pretty much like moved from, you know, the joy of being a child and living in the heart to just moving into the mind. I studied law, you know, I did that whole corporate thing because being in my heart was too painful at that time. And um, so when I got to that, yeah, when I got to that stage where I was really at a breaking point, and and I just said I can't I can't do this anymore. And I need I need to find the answers to the questions that, like the education, the Western education that I had couldn't answer at that time. And um, so then I I set off and I I lived in Asia for several years actually, just finding teachers and guides. And this is as a student, you know, this is just to find a way to turn my body, my emotions, my purpose back online, like. To turn myself back on <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like a, a walking corpse uh, and it's funny because the end of you know yogic practice is shavasana so it's like it's so cool because these practices actually look at things like grief and they look at things like death and they look at like renewal and so yeah and so then I kind of set off on my path as a student and um, met incredible guides and wise women and grandmothers and yogis and um kind of built tools that Mm -hmm. um yeah brought me back (laughs) well what was was there a defining moment that you felt it shift or crack open I think it was a series to be honest I think Mm -hmm. there was so much armor you know we create this armor through the journey of life that helps to protect us and you know through a lot of work I've understood that defenses aren't necessarily a bad thing we build defenses so that we can survive and when we're ready when we're ready to let go of those defenses then slowly we can start to look at them where did they come from we can start you know like a little chisel we can start to break into them so I don't think that it was like a boom wake up awakening but I think it was more a series of years of work (laughs) and exploration and different practices that slowly kind of allowed Mm -hmm. me back this access to to this natural flow state of of joy and of pain and of being able to sit with both of those you know as as a part of life so um yeah so that's kind of my my journey And, and of course as soon as I found these tools I was like I need to share these because I went on Google, you know, when my body was numb, I went on Google, as we all do in this day and age, and just Googled how to heal numbness or like, you know, yeah, why yeah. can I not feel my vagina or, you know, all these things. Yeah. And there isn't a Google answer for that. No. So, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so um, I was, as soon as I found the answers for myself, I was like, yeah. I really need to share these things, you know? Wow. So my mind's like 18 different directions. I have a friend, um, she calls it a pussy power outage. <laughs> She's like, the light just goes out. Um, and then, you know, it was movement that brought it back. And, you know, in this particular thing that she was talking about, it was when she was working with me with sensual movement. So I was on another uh, live last night with a, a sex educator who's coming on the podcast today, um, Whitney, and we were talking about how, you know, moving you, you know, how people are always asking me how does sensual movement help you? And I said, well, it's moving you out of here, back into here so that you can allow yourself to feel the yeah. things that you possibly aren't letting yourself feel. And you're like, well, how is that sexy? I'm like, well, because it is all connected, right? Like it's it all, it's a flow of energy, right? And so I love that you even said, you were like, I was blocked. And from that blockage, it just went all up into here, mm -hmm. right? Not allowing you to feel certain things and how that even will affect you all the way through, you know, in your, you know, um, your drive, your, your connection, your sensuality. Sorry, the dog is in my lap, everyone, if, if you are listening and she's struggling to get down to go chase a squirrel. Okay, so no, was Tantra something that was taught on these, you know, this journey or was it that you stumbled into that? Because I know it's, you know, if anyone isn't familiar with yoga, um, Henneke, can you break down in, in a, well, <laughs> as simple a way as possible that it's, it's branches, right? There's, there's not just one style or lineage of yoga, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's lots and lots of lineages and um, there's lots of paths. And, you know, sometimes we stumble into those paths. Sometimes we might change those paths. We need to see kind of where we are at right so for example like I grew up in the bhakti faith this is bhakti yoga this is the yoga of devotion right so mm -hmm. this is very much looking at um deities and um you know the vehicle of transformation in this practice is mantra so we use we use chanting and then you have you know you have the practices of like ashtanga for example where you have like Patanjali's eight limbs you have eight limbs that you can look at of which asana uh, you know, the physical practice is just one, right? There's this this whole other um, seven limbs that can teach us about the virtues of living, the guidelines of, of living a spiritual life, um, pranayama, you know, breath techniques. It's, it's really wide encompassing. And then you have, you know, you have different, um, you then have different teachers who have come along, amazing spiritual teachers who, who have developed the practice in different ways as well. So you have Iyenga, you know, you have yin for, uh, you know, surrender, you have vinyasa for this kind of fast movement, you have all these different styles now that are different paths, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that they're all leading to the same place. It's just about finding um, which one communicates with you. Um, and, you know, that that does, I think that does change through life. I so is Tantra its own? Or is it a part of one of those? Yeah, so Tantra is kind of, so you could almost call them sister sciences. So you have yoga, you have Tantra, you have Ayurveda. These are kind of sister sciences. They're all 
interrelated, but they are also paths of their own. So Tantra uh, is something, for example, like when I was growing up, the part of India that we're from has this festival called Navratri. And this is a festival, uh, it means like nine nights of celebration, and it's mm -hmm. nine nights of celebrating the divine feminine. So the divine feminine in, in the Tantric path is a key element of, of the Tantric of the uh, yeah of the of the faith of the path um and so it's kind of it's again we, we, I was raised in bhakti faith but we've celebrated Navratri we celebrated nine nights of of celebrating the goddess in all the different forms that it comes in over those nine nights and I knew from a very young age like from being a child that I was deeply connected to that like movement mm. meditation I'll tell you what we do in Navratri right there's like a big deity in the center of a, of a big hall or if you're in India then it's outside and it's a series of repetitive movements that everyone does in a circle like for like seven hours like for as long as you want and the power of repetitive movement and it's like it's quite can go quite fast so it's like the thud of your feet you know on the ground really awakens this shakti this kundalini life force this power in the body it strengthens the mind um, and it allows you to move into this great state of of movement meditation um and so again you know this is something that is a part of the tantric practice but we wouldn't know that necessarily mm -hmm. from what we know of of tantra when we just hear about the word in the west we think it's a sex thing <laughs> and yeah. that's like really not what's happening there <laughs> it's a it's a it's nine nights of of deep devotion for the feminine um oh and so this is the tantric path right so we say you know one of my teachers kind of broke it down quite well and said uh, yoga is the path of um, the mind in terms of discipline, in terms of um, non-attachment. Um, and this is the masculine path. It's like the yogic practice traditionally was created by, by the masculine. And at that time, the feminine wasn't even allowed to do the spiritual practices. So it was mm -hmm. just a path for the masculine. And Tantra came around the sixth century and revolutionized everything that was happening and said, um, Actually, the female is has this innate shakti in her body, has this innate life force that can connect her to the divine. So let's bring, you know, let's actually let's devote ourselves to this. Let's let's learn from women as our teachers. And so the tantric practice is is the path of love and acceptance, and it is the path of the feminine. So we have, uh, and it's the path of the heart, right? So you kind of have these balancing. Um, practices and then we have our Ayurvedic practice which is more looking at um, you know the science of life so how can we look at what we consume in our bodies how can we look at the way that the seasons work around us like all of these practices are are there not just as something that we do for one hour of the day but something that expands into uh, a philosophy of the way that we live yeah. so yeah there's lots to explore once you begin I'm like <laughs> Y'all listening? Come on. I mean, <laughs> we, we've been robbed. They told us nothing. Um, <laughs> I was like, you gave us that, like the most watered down <laughs> version of this because, wow. All right. So if, if let's, let's say vinyasa and, um, you know, some of the other lineages have the, the physical component 
you know, of the, of the asana, right? On the mat, the poses, what is the equivalent of that for Tantra? Is it the dancing? Is there anything else? Yeah, I mean, we have incredible embodiment practices um, in, in the Tantric practice. So mm -hmm. again, from different teachers who have come along the way, one of these teachers um, is Osho. So Osho gives a lot of dynamic meditations, mm -hmm. um, which are still practiced today. And these are incredible meditations. Um, the purpose of them was that it was kind of recognized that enlightenment could probably no longer be found you know, unless you were to renounce life, give up the material world, go and live in a cave. And, you know, that's how, you know, that's how you would now achieve enlightenment. Um, but we live in a very different world now. And so dynamic meditations are there to help us to um, gather all of the crap that we experience in the day, to process them, and then to get to a state we're actually ready to meditate mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. right and the process of it itself is meditation so you know there are different stages there are stages which for example allow us to be angry there are stages that allow us to scream and shout and punch mm -hmm. things you know it's really difficult to access the emotion of anger when you're just sitting there with your eyes closed this allows us to get into it in the body first so let's embody anger and then see what comes up so we can work with it. Because then the next stages is, you know, hands up an observation. Mm. So we, we allow a space where, you know, these quite difficult emotions can come up. And I think perhaps that's one of the differences with Tantra and a lot of, you know, the different spiritual practices, rather than detaching ourselves from what is happening or reality or saying, you know, um, go back to my breath, go back to the present moment, um, it actually says, hang on, stop there for a moment. Let's go into that emotion. Mm -hmm. So when we go into that emotion, it means that we don't repress it because repression is very difficult to, mm -hmm. you know, once we do it again and again and again, we're actually teaching ourselves, okay, let's dismiss anger. Let's dismiss the things that piss us off. Let's dismiss that thing that happened in the past. Like, let's stop worrying about that thing in the future. But what Tantra says is let's look at them. Let's mm -hmm. look at them and let's let's give us let's give you these tools so that you can look at them. Because once we look at these difficult emotions, they stop holding a power over us, you know? Right. Like right. once you look at them over and over again, you become the master of them rather than them being the master of you. And so I think that's a really powerful part of Dantra. And yeah, dance, you know, my path into it was the sacred dance as well. So this is really connecting with the sensual dance and um, the chakra system, this, this roadmap that was given to us by the Dantric lineage um, of these spots in the body that correspond mm -hmm. to physical, emotional, energetic areas that we can work with to know ourselves. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I could talk about it forever. <laughs> no, I know. I, and, I, and I could listen to you forever. So, I mean, it's so it's so, it's so big. And, you know, I think there, you know, there's obviously there's similarities in, in the intention of yours is obviously deeper, far vast, you know, lineage goes on forever versus what I'm doing now, but the intention of getting people in, in my case, women, I think you most, you mostly work with women and couples, right. Um, back and reconnected to their sacral mm. in particular. Um, 
because so many seem to be cut off from this part of ourselves, right? Would you say in your opinion or your experience from the people you've worked with that, that there's truth to that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's a very, there's a very big suppression from a very young age in our sexuality and our sensuality. And so, you know, there's a lot of people walking around with lower back pain. There's a lot of people walking around with stiff hips. These are all Mm -hmm. manifestations, physical manifestations um, that, you know, start as signs that, that there are some blockages in this area. And um, I think in Western medicine, it goes straight to like, okay, let's look at, you know, the the physical stuff and I think in the eastern spiritual practices we start to look at okay where did this stuff come from so we Mm -hmm. start to look at okay what does the root mean this is the seat of you know this is the seat of your home this is the seat of safety this is the seat of belonging so let's go back to that place and let's have a look at it and we see actually the body corresponds very well with like the emotional states that belong to this area so once we start Mm -hmm. working with this area we see a bit of an easing up start to happen those muscles that are clenching you know clenching there down there in the pelvic floor you know once you start to work and remind the body that it is safe then we start to see a little gentle releasing of these muscles you know and that pain starts to subside okay this is an example this is not in every (laughs) single case but these are you know this is an example of for example people that I have worked with where that has been a direct kind of correspondence to the work that we have done and um, the same with sensuality a lot of uh, creatives are very abundant in the seat of sensuality which is swadhisthana you know right underneath a few fingers beneath the belly button and um, this is the seat that's also associated with our water functions in the body so like blockages in this area could uh, could manifest in Um, you know UTIs it could manifest in dehydration on the day-to-day it could manifest in um, you know blockages in sensuality desire Mm -hmm. um, not giving ourselves the things that we desire uh, not feeling worthy of the things that we desire this is kind Mm -hmm. of all what kind of comes from this area and that's a sacral that you're speaking to right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the sacral yeah it's a seat of pleasure It's how Mm -hmm. much do we allow ourselves to enjoy life and to connect to our senses. And um, and this is a really, this is a really, really great area to work with because before we can even get to the heart, we need to work with these. We need to start from the down up. We can't start from the crown. (laughs) Everyone's like, have you opened your third eye? And and you think (laughs) you, you can't. That's like six chakras along. <laughs> right, right, right. You have to start working with the root, like the base. Where do we come from? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And work our way up. And then we move into the heart and then we move into the higher senses. But um, yeah, I would say I would say that sensual blocks are, are, are a huge part of what I work with. And there's so many, Anything else? So many reasons for that. Um, what else do I work with? Yeah, like Um, what other common things do you see people coming to you to want to practice Tantra? Like what are the things you're looking for it to help heal? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say um, lacking like lust and love for life, Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. kind of working in jobs that don't fulfill us, for example, or I have nothing against that. I think we do have duties in life and I think that we can uphold those things. But often people who come to me are looking for something more. So they're looking Mm -hmm. to look inside and explore what it is that they are interested in doing 
And, and where do we look for that in this practice? We look inside the body. I look at what turns you on. <laughs> Mm-hmm. How can we incorporate that into your life? It doesn't mean it needs to be your full-time nine-to-five job. You know, it could be something that fulfills you, that keeps you alive, turned on, excited about life. Um, so it's kind so you of life coaching as you're. I mean, it just it's everything. I mean, well, yeah, I guess yoga would be life coaching too, in a sense. It is. I mean, there's there's elements of that. It's you know, giving I mean, structure really, and guideline. Mm-hmm. It's really interweaved. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I I share the practice and I think people take from it wherever they are at, you know, whatever they are looking for, it can be applied because these mm-hmm. are universal principles. So, um, yeah, we work a lot with, of course, sensuality. We'll work with sensuality between couples, um, but we also work with things like shame um, and where we have developed, you know, the blocks to sensuality, essentially. Mm-hmm. Things like the culture that we grew up in, um, the way that we might perceive our body for whatever reason. Um, we look at lifting up um, uh, repression. And a big part of my work because of my own journey is to do with grief. So we hold programs for grief and just acknowledge that um, grief is not only the loss of a person, but can be you know, the loss of a part of yourself that you experienced sure. before. It could be the loss of a job. It could be the loss of a country that you move from, you know, and so we work with love and we work with loss because I think these two things, they are, mm-hmm. they are partners. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that so much. And it's so interesting because um, it reminds me of a dance I saw a student do years ago. Um, and again, I teach a class, you know, there was a poll at one point, wow. there's striptease involved at one point. They're like, how can that ever be sentimental? I'm like, her grandfather had passed and she did a dance, but in his old clothes, like, wow. and it was one of the most heart wrenching. Like my, I was like, the whole room was sobbing. It was beautiful. It was sensual, but you saw her loss in her dance and, and, and to try to explain it to people, they can't put together how grief can be sensual. Yeah. Yeah. And right. It, it, yeah exactly it's a, it is it's a high it's a it's probably one of the biggest energies that we feel you know mm-hmm. we feel love as a huge energy and we feel loss as a huge mm-hmm. energy and that can't always be communicated in words that's why we need these practices for the body right you know, to, to be able to communicate what's inside of us that's so powerful mm. Yeah, it was, it was, it was wild. So I, you know, I have to ask, I've been following you forever. I, I, I can never get the time zone, right. (laughs) To come to your things um, because you, you, you're in London, right. Yeah. Um, So I, I, you know, like I said, I found you after I was coming away from my own very, very brief stint with Tantra and trying to study it. And it, it didn't work out with the person that I was studying and they were not meant to be my teacher in the end. Um, and, you know, I, I got turned off a little bit from the experience. Mm. So I haven't, you know, you were the first person that kind of made me feel like it was safe to go back to look at it again. Mm. Um, but, you know, of all the things that I do know and have studied of, you know, um, yoga and, uh, you know, Ayurveda or, you know, and it's not extensive, but Tantra was the one that spoke to me the most because of what I do. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, because this could take my knowledge 
to a whole new place and broaden it beyond the physical because my education started with the physical and then I realized how much was happening through here. You know, we all did at the time that I was teaching in this one studio, but I was like, oh, this is more than just stripping. <laughs> it's like there's, there's a lot of other shit that's happening in this room. Like there's a lot of empowerment. There's a lot of tears that are being released. There's discoveries. There's these light bulb moments. There's this reclamation happening. And there's so much more, right? There's so much more. So for somebody like me, um, you know, and be 100% honest, for somebody like me who was so interested in wanting to truly study it and study it in the full context, not just how to give a lingam massage. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, what else, what else are we doing now? Um, <laughs> what, where would I start? You know, where would I start? Is it possible even? Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's a, it's one of these things similar to the yogic practice. I don't think it can be condensed into 200 hours um, yes. in a nice kind of package. It's like a lifelong system of education mm -hmm. that we can continue to do. And so I think a, a really great place to start is um, understanding the divine feminine, understanding the, the goddesses and the different archetypes. And um, you can explore these for yourself. You know, you mm -hmm. can explore these by um, understanding like what they're about. You can understand this by looking up the mantras. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of this is, you know, in, in yogic practice, we have this thing called Svadhyaya. It's like this, this study of the self. So we mm -hmm. can we can go into these paths and see like, oh, what is this reflecting back to me? And I think, yeah, we, you know, we can do different trainings. We can also look to people who have done this before mm -hmm. us. We can we can expand by doing that, you know, and I mean, at the School of Sensual Arts, we have um, we have our online Tantra Yoga community. So this is kind of uh, a place that we meet like two to three times a week. If you can, if you can't, then that's also okay. But it's kind of like a, a spiritual community that would help you on your way to understanding some of those concepts. So it's not like an intensive 200 hours, you're going to be a teacher after this, because I just... Mm -hmm. I just don't think that that's ever enough. <laughs> it's kind right. of like an ongoing, um, an ongoing process where we discuss different philosophies, different deities, different mantras, different parts of the practice um, through an online worldwide community. And then we have, um, I can just speak to what I do. There are lots of teachers out yeah. there, you know. Um, no, tell me, tell them what you do, because this is about yeah. you today. And I, and I really would love you to speak to the School of Central Arts for this, this last bit. Yeah, um, so that's the Tantra Yoga community, and that's where we do have an asana practice. So you're looking mm -hmm. at these, uh, you're looking at these principles through the body. We then have our Shakti circles. Shakti is the translation of divine feminine. It's nothing to do with your gender. We all have Shakti in our body. It's a key principle that kind of relates to the power, the inner power that we have. And um, this place we meet about once a month around the lunar cycle. And we go into the place of Shakti. So we go into the place of understanding where we are right now, understanding, breaking down what our intentions are, looking at what we need to release, but then also bringing in our tantric embodiment. So we're going to look at how we can apply those things into the body using uh, rituals, using um, heart opening practices, this moving directly back into the heart. So if you've had a month where you've been really in the mind, <laughs> The Shakti circle is a great place to just come back into your mm -hmm. heart, 
into your body and to remember what really matters. Um, and that is that the women's circle is that the same as the women's circle or is that yeah, something different so it's actually it used to be called the women's circle but actually okay. um some time ago we changed it to the shakti circle because we acknowledge okay. that shakti can exist in all bodies and so it is an it is an open and inclusive space so i don't say who who can and cannot come to it now um so yeah it's an open space for anyone who wants to connect with Shakti, this principle of the divine feminine, this principle of creativity, sensuality, mm-hmm. um, vulnerability, living life from the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a beautiful space to come into contact with that. And then kind of the final, I guess, branch of the School of Sensual Arts is our couples date nights. So this is where we look at slowing down. This is where we bring principles of Tantra into a space of connection and we give tools so we have journey to the senses and we have the touch of love so we give tools from the tantric path that make love a meditation and so it's not a three-hour meditation it's very quite it's quite fun actually (laughs) and it's quite playful and it's quite explorative but it's just these these few hours where you can just focus on each other with presence because essentially that's what meditation is. It's just giving presence. And so we, we give tools for you to be more present in your relationships, in your love, in your love making. Um, and it's a, it's a really beautiful container. It's a really, really beautiful container. And then I suppose the final thing that we're now moving into is cultural appreciation, which is what we began with this, um, this podcast. And so that's um, a cultural appreciation course that we have it has uh, a few different modules and different teachers uh, we look at things like yoga mythology where does postures come from we look at the pronunciation of sanskrit mm-hmm. or uh, yogic postures and manoja the resident teacher is taking the next module on mantra and sacred texts so it's kind of this space in between like if you are a student or a teacher but you don't want to do a 200 hour teacher training, which is where you would usually find this kind of knowledge, then it's kind of a middle way where you can kind of deepen your practice or your teaching. Um, And yeah, I guess what I was saying earlier, just continue to learn, continue to learn. Yeah, sure. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm so done with the concept of a sort of, I mean, I have, I'm a yoga teacher. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not, do you know what I mean? Like I can take you through the physical postures of it, but if you, you know, and I obviously understand the basic concepts um, and I know that it's more than the physical, you know, but as far as when you're teaching it, that's not what's coming out your mouth though. It's put your right foot here, your left foot here and, you know, do this. Um, So I I don't call myself, I say I, I movement teacher, you know, even a class that I teach that kind of throws all my fun things that I love to do together. And there are some postures in there. I won't call yoga any longer because it's not. Yeah. And that's really the movement powerful. class. It's, yeah. a, and I, you know, I was like, and at the end, I hear somebody mumble namaste. I was like, that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to tell you what to say. I say, be good to you because that's, we're going to end the class some kind of way. Cause I like a button on the end of a class that gives yeah. some people some grounding. But it's like, I really started to get that. And I was like, no, but this isn't, I would, my favorite thing I tell my kids when, you know, they have to write a paper and they're like, this was back in the days when Barack Obama was the president. Right. And he'd be like, it's done. I'm like, would you put it in front of president Obama right now? And they'd be like, okay. And they'd go back and go write it again. Right. (laughs) 
that to me is what got me because I'm like, okay, well, would you go and, and teach right now in front of, you know, Henneke? <laughs> no, I would die. I would fall into the floor of embarrassment. I'd be like, oh God, please follow me whole. Because then all of a sudden you're like, no, you wouldn't because you know your ass. <laughs> I'm not speaking for every teacher. I won't do that. But there are many out there that don't know yeah. beyond the physical. Okay. I So I, I would love for you to, to, you know, as you're coming to the close here, speak a little bit about your vision. You gave this beautiful breakdown of what it is that you offer to School of Central Arts. What is your vision with bringing Tantra to not just women, but to people? What do you think, you know, if you want to think big picture, you could see the ripple effect happening, not just with you, obviously, but with everybody who's teaching this. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, we are the School of Sensual Arts, we work with sensuality. Um, mm -hmm. And I think this is, this is what people come for. And I think when they arrive, they realize that the tantric practice st can start with sensuality, but it, it, it works its way into all different parts of our life. And I think, you know, the vision for, for the School of Sensual Arts is to really put that on the map, that tantra is is and can help us with our sensuality and our sex, but can also do a lot more than that, mm -hmm. right? So we're gonna be breaking down a lot of the misconceptions. We're gonna be breaking down the taboos around sensuality and shame. Um, and we're gonna be giving people tools to help expand their life, like mm -hmm. using these tools in a modern way, in a way that works, where you can still be a mother, you can still be a worker, you can still do all of these things, and you can still be connected to yourself and what yes. matters, right? So, and I feel tingles saying that because I, I think um I think that to I think that these tools have existed for so long because they work and that they continue to evolve so that they continue to exist, right? So um, the School of Central Arts is, is here for that. We're here for that evolvement. We're here for, um, we're here for sharing and we're here for community. We're a community-based platform. So when you come to SOSA, you meet so people, you meet people who are on this path with you and you are, I remember feeling so alone, you know, when mm -hmm. I first started out in this path feeling like there's no one else on this planet that is as numb as I feel right now mm. and um, mm -hmm. there's no one else that has these similar questions there's no one you know and so I built a community platform because I think that that is uh, that is what connects us as humans that's how we open our yeah. heart so yeah I love that so much and you said mothers and it, it, it just you know there's a last question here I would love for you to answer because in my audience I do have about 90 plus percent women following me and listening many of them are moms many of them will ask this is all well and good everything you're saying is great i love what henneke is saying how do i keep this in my life on a daily basis though what's one thing i can do to connect me yeah, to my sensuality really, really good question and mm -hmm. you can do it connect to your pelvic floor just connect to your pelvic floor <laughs> and you're like mm -hmm. what but it's like you can do it even when you're like sitting down at the dining table sure, you can sure. do it when you're driving in the car are you, you speaking can... to kegels like kegels yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. i mean yeah the now called kegels it's just squeezing and releasing your pelvic floor and keep breathing because mm -hmm. you keep this part of yourself alive these are tissues mm. they need blood they need energy and um just by squeezing and releasing squeezing and releasing different paces different times we can look after this part of ourselves so this is mm. one thing um another thing i would say is just do one act of self-care a day doesn't need to be a two hour yoga class. It could just be lighting a candle for yourself in the evening, 
could be putting on your favorite perfume. It could be curling the front part of your hair. It could Mm -hmm. be putting on a nice moisturizer. Just one thing that connects you to your senses because before we even get into sensuality and sexuality, we connect, it starts long before the bedroom. It starts with yourself. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, start seducing yourself with your senses once a day. That's so good. I love it. (laughs) All right, here's your final question. You're having a dinner of a lifetime. Once in a lifetime opportunity, you can invite anybody you want, any three people, fictional, these could be dead, alive, historical, it could be an entity, a deity, I don't care who, who do you invite to this dinner? Yeah, okay, so in the tantric practice, we have like three kind of major goddesses that help us understand the whole of life. We have one for creation, and this is Sarasvati. She's like the goddess of creativity, musicality. Then we have um, Lakshmi. So we have the goddess of preservation. Yeah. So she is like the goddess of abundance. She's the goddess of um, like fighting for what you know is worth uh, keeping. And then we have the goddess of destruction. So this is Parvati, but can also come in the form of Gali. So I would invite these three goddesses because they already help me understand the world and to sit around a dining table with them. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> that would be um, <laughs> that would be so good. Ah, this is a good one. I love, I love this answer. And, you know, you just named all the goddesses and I just realized I've been very slowly working my way through Awakening Shakti, this book by Sally uh, Kempton, I believe. And it breaks down all of the goddesses. And, you know, I had meant to ask you earlier about this book and what your feelings were, if you knew of it, but it seems to be fairly thorough. So I actually knew exactly who you were speaking about. And I was like, oh, yes, yeah, yes. That's so awesome. Um, that would be a very fire ass dinner. I really yeah. do. <laughs> like that's the kind of that's the kind of table that's like gonna take care of things like change is gonna happen after that dinner that would be like a levitating table you know <laughs> oh my gosh yes are you kidding me so good so tell and lots of dancing so tell me any last um you know things you'd like them to know how to find you where, where can they find you anything this is going to probably be airing I would say close to July or August anything coming up for the rest of the year that you'd like them to know about yeah, sure. So uh, you can find me at the school of uk. but I'm very, very active and present on my Instagram. So if you're just interested in learning a bit more about Tantra, please go ahead um, and, and go there. Uh, reach out to me, message me. Uh, the Tantra Yoga community, the Shakti circles, the date nights, these are all running throughout the year. So you can join those like any time that you want to. Um, and yeah, I really, really welcome you because this is this is a path that totally changed the course of my life and um and I I just I'm so excited about the tools and I and I want to share them and I want to I want us to embrace our sensuality and and the pleasure that we can get from life so come and join me (laughs) oh my god how could we not you are just delicious thank you so much for joining us today thank you everyone for listening do find her she is amazing Thank you for listening to the Electric Feminine Podcast with me, your host, Anjua Maximo. If you're ready to dive into this work of developing your connection to your goddess energy, of removing those obstacles standing in your way, please reach out at info at anjuamaximo.com or you can check out my courses available and my private coaching at www.anjuamaximo.com. Be good to you, be good to each other.